Did the Oklahoma Sooners loss to Kansas hurt their playoff chances much? We'll talk about that and so much more on today's episode of Locked On Sooners Live. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners Live Monday night. Thank you for staying up late with us. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked On College for $20 off your first purchase over at Game Time. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy here is Josh Elmer. You can follow him on Twitter at Josh on Ref. The show is at Locked On Sooners. And thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. Josh, the one thing I want to look at real quickly is just Oklahoma's playoff chances because the the ESPN Football Power Index still likes Oklahoma a little bit better than Texas to still make the playoff, but in a real-world situation where we're not relying on computer simulations, what do you think Oklahoma has to do, and, and do they really have a shot at getting into the playoff even if they run the table? Oh, of course they do. Yeah, if they run the table, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, there's a good chance. I mean, under that scenario, you're probably meeting, you would think, Texas, K-State, one of the two, right? Probably the winner of that game coming up this week. So, yeah, that would be another big-time win for you. Two wins over Texas and all the other dominoes falling wherever they may. Probably you would wind up as the number four seed, I would think, in the college football playoff. But, look, uh, getting from right here, to right there, A to B, there's a lot to clean up for Oklahoma. Number one, hopefully they're going to get healthy. That mm-hmm. that clearly was a big-time problem defensively for Oklahoma. And, and maybe a little bit uh, of the decision-making play calling was uh, in part the residual effect of losing Andrew Anthony. I don't know. But uh, this team needs to get healthy, particularly defensively. And then they got to start playing better football again, John. Uh, you, you know, obviously – The decision-making from the coaching staff needs to improve, but uh, defensively they've got to be better there as well. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it comes down to they were just so concerned with the elements on Saturday that it it kind of hamstrung them a little bit, that they were so afraid to get, get the ball into Dylan Gabriel's hands to let him throw the football as opposed to just running a running offense uh, for four quarters. So, for me, it's it's going to be interesting to see, and, and I guess there's a lot of a lot of ifs that have to play out, a lot of hypotheticals. But I mean, if a Pac-12, like say a Washington, survives the Pac-12 season undefeated, they're in. If Georgia survives, what if? But what if Georgia loses to Alabama in the SEC title game? That's two teams getting into the playoff. What if Ohio State or Michigan run the table, but their only loss is to either Ohio State or Michigan? It's going to be hard to keep both of those teams out, in my opinion. And so I do see a scenario where Oklahoma could run the table, finish as Big 12 champ, beat Texas again, or beat a surging Kansas State and have a really, really good win on their schedule and still not make the college football playoff just because of everything else that has to go right for them around the country. That's why I feel like this Kansas loss was such a disappointment because it was right there for you to win and – that might be the game that keeps you out of the playoff. Now that's assuming again, they go and they run the table and win the big 12 title. Yeah. 
I see what you're saying. I mean, there's obviously plenty of teams out there that currently are roadblocks for Oklahoma. And first things first is you got to got to win out, which uh, looks like a looks like a legitimate ask for Oklahoma. I mean, there's at least two big time tests on it, right? This uh, this game this weekend in Bedlam and Stillwater, and then uh, either probably under this scenario, again, K-State or Texas in the Big 12 championship game, which asking Oklahoma to win both of those games right now, based on the way not just the Kansas game played out, but UCF before it, feels like that's asking a lot. The The good news for Oklahoma in regards to a lot of this is, for OU, as fans – we're going to have a pretty good indication as soon as this week's done, right? I mean, you lose in Stillwater, it's over. There's no playoffs. And uh, you lose in Stillwater, probably the Big 12 championship hopes. Those are gone. So we're going to find out a lot about this team right here, right now, this week. But, John, if you get through Bedlam this week, if you win Bedlam this week, then all of a sudden you start thinking about the schedule going forward. And, look, West Virginia, better than we thought, right? BYU and Provo, Probably as advertised, maybe a little bit more challenging than advertised in terms of the difficulty of that road game. TCU, okay, uh, probably not as challenging, uh, definitely not as challenging as we thought in the offseason. But long story short is to say, I think Oklahoma State is the most difficult test left. So if you get through Bedlam this week, then all of a sudden, I'm not going to sit here and say that the Oklahoma Sooners playoff chances, okay, here we go, we're back on, you control your own destiny. No, that wouldn't be the case, but your your final big obstacle, you probably would have, outside of the Big 12 championship game, you would have cleared it in the regular season. I think that's a fair fair place to be. You know, West Virginia is a good team. They just keep on winning games. Uh, made John, uh, UCF turn the ball over four times. John Rice Plumley threw three interceptions. So that's going to be a tough game, even though it's in Norman. Uh, and then TCU, man, I have no idea what to expect from the Horned Frogs because one, their quarterback situation is really struggling with injuries. And I just don't know how good they are because they've been so up and down all season long. Uh, The trip to Provo is going to be an interesting one. How much do the elements play a factor in any of these games going forward? Because I'm at a point where I don't trust this team in the elements, especially offensively, because they've shown in two years, West Virginia last year, and then against Kansas this year, that they don't have an offense capable of surviving the elements. So it'll be fascinating to see, but I mean, I think there's a way to the playoff. It's just right now it feels like a longer shot than what the ESPN football power index is giving them. You know, I referenced it earlier. This is a computer model that runs thousands of simulations uh, to determine these, these probabilities. And Oklahoma sits with a 28.9% chance to make the playoff that sits behind obviously Ohio state, Michigan, Alabama, Georgia, and Florida state. That's it. So, I mean, they've got a good probability to make the playoff. Whether they do or not, that's, yeah, that's going to be an interesting uh, part of this whole thing. But again, it doesn't matter if you don't go and beat Oklahoma State and Bedlam. We'll give you some of our early thoughts on that here coming up here in a little bit. We'll also talk about the the return of Gentry Williams and how important that's going to be for the Oklahoma Sooners in this game because, man, they really, really missed him. Kanai Walker has had some good moments this season but they definitely missed having Gentry Williams out there. Uh, We'll do more of this. We'll take your questions, your comments as well on tonight's live show. We'll do more after the break. And if you're looking for some last minute tickets, whether it's to Bedlam, Oklahoma City Thunder, if you're in the Dallas metro area, you're you're going to Dallas Stars, Mavericks, 
Uh, you're trying to get some World Series tickets sometime down the road. Hey, go check out the Game Time app. It's the best place to get last-minute deals and the best seats right at your fingertips. Download the app on Apple Play Store or the Apple App Store, the Google Play Store, wherever you get your apps. Download the Game Time app. Use our promo code Locked On College to get twenty dollars off your first purchase. Again, great features that allow you to see where you're going to sit, and again, pick the best seats. They've got. Uh, the best last minute prices for concerts, comedy shows, the theater, whatever you're looking for over at the game time app, find exclusive flash deals and sponsored deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy theater, and more with zone deals. You pick the section and game time picks the seats for an average of 18% savings. And the game time guarantee means you always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less game time will credit you 100% 110% of the difference. So download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On College for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Locked On College for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So Brent Venables revealed in the Rudy's Coaches show that Gentry Williams was back at practice. And he said he's hopeful for Danny Stutzman. Let's talk Gentry Williams first and how important it is that they're going to be getting him back. And then we can talk about how important it is to have Danny Stutzman available for Bedlam. Well, it's obviously of paramount importance to get Gentry Williams back, even though really this week you could probably make an argument that it's more important for Danny Stutzman just because of what Ollie Gordon is doing for Oklahoma State. That's that's kind of the, the big piece for Oklahoma State offensively. So I, I can understand that argument. But for OU, hey, it'd be huge to get Gentry Williams back. They're clearly not as good of a defense without him. Really, all three of the names we're probably about to talk about right now, Stutzman, Williams, and Peyton Bone, who people are asking about. It, one thing was clear coming out of this game. A couple of things were clear. But one of the things that was clear about Oklahoma defensively is no-brainer, no-dust statement. But Oklahoma, they're not – the competitive depth that we hear and have talked about when they lose probably their three best defenders right now in Danny Stutzman in Gentry Williams and Peyton Bowen, this defense isn't nearly as good. And Oh, by the way, who was it though? I'll give him not a get out of jail free card here, but a, Hey, I'm not putting all of the blame on you. Can I walk? It was, can I Walker that got beat on the fourth down play? Right. Even though again, the get out of jail free card here is, my goodness, defensive line, can you get any pressure in a game-winning situation? Can you can you get any pressure at all? No, you can't. And uh, Kenai Walker is the guy that winds up being the guilty party chasing there. So, obviously, Oklahoma needs Ginger Williams back in the defensive backfield. We saw that on the game's most important play a week ago. Yeah, it's, it's going to be important to have your starters available. Now, Oklahoma State may not provide the same challenge as a passing offense, that Kansas does, but given the fact that they're going to run the ball so well, you you need to have all your cards available to you because when they run the ball as well as they do, they can hit play action. You're going to have to have guys that are going to be able to trust what they're seeing and, and be able to make plays in the passing game. Alan Bowman will give you opportunities to make plays. You need to just go out there and take them. So that, that's going to be a, a big factor for this one. And then it's Danny Stutzman. I mean, Danny Stutzman is – the key to this Oklahoma Sooners defense from a leadership standpoint, from a signals, keys, you know, communication standpoint, he is huge. And, and you can't tell me that his loss didn't make a big impact in the way that that game finished as well. Cause you have him out there. I feel a lot more confident about what Oklahoma is going to be able to do defensively in that fourth quarter, but you don't 
you lose your competitive depth wasn't up to the challenge and here we are you know still kind of frustrated about this loss to kansas because i don't think you'll ever not be frustrated about a loss to kansas but hopefully they can get him back because he is again a key component and going up against i want to say it the best running back in the big 12 and maybe the best running back in america in ollie gordon you're going to have to have his physicality his smarts his tenacity leading the charge for the sooners no doubt and you know this is okay how much can you put into this all of the football acumen that you touched on john that danny stutzman brings the getting everybody in the right position on and on and on right there's a million different things on the football field in that that's quantifiable that's like measurable to a degree right this one maybe not as measurable but just the emotional morale standpoint that I think Danny Stutzman having him or not having him out there has for Oklahoma, they, they got to have him back. And again, then you look across the ledger and I agree with you, Ollie Gordon right now. I mean, John, he's making a case, not best big 12 back. He's making a, a case best back nationally right mm-hmm. now, 141 carries already over 1000 rushing yards on the season. He's almost at 1100 rushing yards. He's going for 7.7, a pop. He's got 10 touchdowns. This is a star of stars right now in, in college football and he's red hot. So yes, you need Danny Stutzman back healthy in this game. Big time. Yeah. And I, and I do think a lot of it is beyond just the physical aspects of what Danny Stutzman can do because he's got so much more experience than a guy like Kobe McKenzie or Jaron Kanick or Kip Lewis. You know, Kobe McKenzie was a four-star prospect that was highly coveted. And, and if you don't recall, I mean, when Lincoln Riley left, Brent Venables came on board, Kobe McKenzie decommits from the Oklahoma Sooners and decides to go to Texas. Well, not long after that, he flips his commitment back to Oklahoma. So again, a highly coveted player, someone who's going to be very, very talented and going to provide some big-time production for the Oklahoma Sooners at some point. He just doesn't have the experience yet. And experience does matter, especially in games where, okay, you can see teams trying to take advantage of Oklahoma's aggressiveness by using misdirection, by using the read option, the RPO game. They're taking advantage of that. If you don't have as much experience in seeing these things, a lot of times you find yourself guessing as opposed to just trusting your keys. And and that's where it's going to be, be challenging for Oklahoma if they don't have Stutzman on the field. I fully believe that Kobe McKenzie, that Kip Lewis are capable linebackers and are going to grow into big-time roles for the Sooners. We've already seen Kip Lewis and what he's been able to do in short time. The dude is just always in the backfield, it seems. And Kobe McKenzie, again, he's got the size, he's got the physicality to be an impact player. It's just a matter of, okay, we got to develop this guy to be ready to be a starter for this team. He just doesn't have enough snaps under his belt for me to feel 100% confident that he can go out there and do the job. I would love to be wrong. I would love to be wrong that, okay, Stutzman's not available. These young linebackers that Brent Venables has brought in are going to be fully capable of, of leading the charge for the Sooners. And, I mean, they could prove me wrong. I mean, again, very talented players. And we talk, you know, there's a lot of talk about Jaron Canick right now in the, in the chat over on YouTube. And, yeah, I mean, he's, he's still a work in progress. But he's a very, very athletically gifted dude that can, can get around the ball he just has a lot of – he's got to clean up, and he's going to get better and better and better with all these things that go on. As he goes and reviews the film, he's going to continue to get better. And so you're going to have a better player down the road in Jaron Canick than what you have now. It's frustrating for now, but 
you got to trust the process and trust the, the developmental aspect of this game. But for this Saturday, it's going to pose some problems. But also, this is why you bring in a Dejon Terry. This is why you bring in, you know, uh, uh, Jacob Lacey and maybe a Philip Paya, a, a Davin Sears. You bring in these big dudes in the middle. You develop Isaiah Coe and Jordan Kelly and, you know, Jonah Laula and the way he's playing inside. Like, this is why you bring these guys in to bolster up your defensive line, add some beef to make it a little bit more difficult for Ollie Gordon to run. And here we go. This is going to be arguably your best challenge or your biggest challenge, you know, since maybe the Texas game, the Oklahoma state offensive line is playing really good football. You're going to, are you going to be up to the task? That's going to be the question that's answered this week. Well, and, and I hope though fans are, because as the season goes along, you sort of recalibrate your expectations of a season, right? So coming into this thing, again, it's it's Oklahoma football, so the expectation is always let's go win a conference championship, let's go play in the college football playoff, let's win a game and go win a national championship, right? Let's go win two in the college football playoff. But since you haven't won one, let's go win that first one in the college football playoff, right? So that's the expectation. It's Oklahoma football. And yet, again, we've said this before in the past, because of what happened last season for OU, the expectation was, okay, let's make legitimate improvement from the six and seven we were a year ago, right? Where it looked out of sorts. It looked a mess defensively. There's a number of different things offensively that you could be upset about. Unfortunately, some of those items reared their ugly head in this past, uh, well, this past couple of weeks, but definitely versus Kansas. But yet before that, coming out of, well, the first seven weeks of the season and in particular out of that Texas game, okay, the recalibration was, hmm, Time to to think about winning the Big 12 championship and perhaps visions of grandeur, right? Okay, well, now it's recalibrating, unfortunately, the opposite direction. But for this Oklahoma football team, John, I would hope because it's OU football, their expectations, their goals, their sights have not changed at all. It's still win the Big 12 championship. It's get into the college football playoff. And it's go win a national championship. And obviously, if those are your goals and it starts one goal to another goal, you got to climb the ladder. You can't lose this game. Your back is against the wall now versus Oklahoma State. So you got to go win this Bedlam game. And for me, we can talk about Gentry Williams. Let's He's back. Danny Stutzman, we hope he's back. Peyton Bowen, okay, what's the injury prognosis there? Obviously, he's one of OU's best defensive players. But, man, to me, it's the defensive line. It's got to start up front. 405, boy. Ding, ding, ding. You and I are thinking the same way. Has Oklahoma's defensive line taken steps back after the Texas win? Yes, of course they have. Absolutely they have. And it's got to start with that group versus Oklahoma State. If they're going to right the ship versus the Cowboys, if they're going to right the ship coming down the home stretch and author an 11-1 regular season and play Texas or K-State for a Big 12 championship, those guys have not been good enough. So we can talk about the guys and are they going to be back with the Williams Stutzman's the Bowens of the world but to me John I want to see Oklahoma be mean and be a little nasty up front they haven't been enough of that these last couple of weeks well, yeah we'll talk through a few more things of uh, what we're looking forward to this week in Bedlam what could be the last Bedlam for who knows how long and uh, give you our early look at Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State after the break there's no better time than right now to get in on the NFL action over at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. 
The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL. All right, Josh, an early look at Oklahoma State reveals, just statistically speaking, that uh, they're a team that Oklahoma might be able to run on. They give up 170.4 rushing yards per game, 4.5 yards per carry. That ranks 103rd in the nation in rushing yards allowed. As a defense, they're also not great against the pass either. They're allowing 238.9 yards per game, 92nd in college football. Did I say the NFL earlier? Did I say that they were 92nd or 103rd in the NFL? I can't remember. I don't know. My brain's all over the place tonight. But uh, it looks like a defense that Oklahoma might be able to, quote unquote, get right against as long as there's no inclement weather, as long as the forecast is looking sunshiny and not so windy. I think this is going to be a team that offensively makes a statement, uh, but we'll see. I mean, so much of it's going to come down to how well does Oklahoma's defense stop the run and how well does Oklahoma's offense respond to what was a bit of a lackluster effort through the through the passing game, or at least not a lackluster, but maybe an untrusted effort in the passing game. Yeah, and number one is, okay, you got to take care of the football in this game. Again, that's the Helmer book of cliches, the football cliches, but you cannot give Oklahoma State extra possessions in this game and waste offensive drives. You just can't do it. It's an Oklahoma State offense that right now looks on paper like it's going to be tough to tangle with, John. And so Oklahoma cannot double down on what it did uh, a week ago versus Kansas. They had the one giveaway versus Cincinnati, right? So that wasn't terrible in the turnover department in that game, but obviously versus KU was not very good, though, of course, one you would put on the special teams unit, but you can't be throwing pick sixes in this game. You can't make the decision to have Jalil Farouk in the backfield and all of a sudden he runs the football and coughs it up. That will electrify Boone Pickens Stadium. And in a game that has all of the tenacity, all of the hate, the vitriol, the venom that this one is going to have being the last bedlam and the how dare you guys think that you're better than us to go to the SEC and leave us and on and on and on at SEC, SEC, SEC. You better take care of the football first and foremost in this game. If we're talking about Oklahoma's offense has a chance to do X, Y, Z versus Oklahoma state. Yeah. On paper they do, but this Oklahoma state team at times has been opportunistic defensively. And I think about the, the K state game uh, in regards to that. I think about the, uh, the, the Kansas game too, really the two games right against the Kansas schools. Yeah, they're they're going to play aggressive football, whether it's good or not. That'll be the question, but they'll play aggressively and they'll try to make you make mistakes. They have a good defensive front that's going to be able to get some pressure on Dylan Gabriel. Now, how well does the offensive line respond to that? They allowed Kansas to kind of put some pressure on Gabriel at times when he did drop back to pass. It, it wasn't always clean. So it, it's going to be, man, it, it's going to be a good game. It's going to be a hard-fought game. It's, I mean, I, I think back to, you know, Bedlam two years ago when Oklahoma came in and they looked like they were going to be, you know, heading towards the big 12 title game, potentially a college football playoff berth. And, you know, it was a back and forth game through the first, in the first half. And then the second half, I mean, Oklahoma's offense just went in the tank because of Oklahoma state's defense. Now different defensive coordinator, Jim Knowles is gone. Now they're like on their third defensive coordinator in three years. 
but they still have got some talented players over on that roster. They're going to really, I mean, they're going to take this game personal, just like, you know, everybody in that, in the stands for that one, because they don't want to be seen as the little brother. They don't want to be seen as not good enough to, to go to the sec with Oklahoma and Texas. So I, I really, I feel like this is going to be a gut check game because you know, it's easy to beat a team in your, in your, in your barn when you're playing a little bit better offensively and they're not playing very good offensively like they did last year. But when your back is up against the wall and then you got to go on the road into a hostile environment, how you respond early on in this game is going to be a big, big part of what leads to your success. And if Oklahoma can get off to a fast start, especially offensively, then I think it's going to give them the momentum that they need to carry through that game. But they also got to figure out their third quarter woes too, because in each of the last two games, they have struggled, absolutely struggled in the third quarter. And that's not something that we've seen this team do much of this year. They've been pretty good coming out of the break. They've got to figure that out because that's not going to work in a game like this where you come out after the half and have no answer for what Oklahoma State's going to want to do offensively or defensively. So offensively, they've just got to be better, got to be more consistent. And yeah, I think there's a lot of different things that are going to go into this game. But much like the Texas game, a lot of it's just going to depend on heart and tenacity and desire and intensity. And if Oklahoma can come into this one with the same intensity that they went into the Cotton Bowl with, they'll be all right, I think. Sure. No, that's uh, that's right. If that team shows up, they're going to have a great chance to win the game and potentially win the game by a couple of scores, regardless of the environment itself and how intimidating that part of it's going to be. And an Oklahoma State team that, again, continue to give credit to because – you know, Mike Gundy said earlier this year that this looked like maybe he was going to wind up being one of his worst teams after the South Alabama game. And all of a sudden he and that staff somehow, some way is pushing the right buttons and getting Ollie Gordon to do things that are as good as anybody nationally. So they're playing really good football and have beaten obviously a couple of good teams in KU and uh, in K state. So it's uh it's going to be a challenge, but if Oklahoma plays, up to its capability and in in particular john if they get off to a good start to take the crowd out of it a little bit to de-electrify boone pickens stadium but also to just prove to themselves a little bit that hey we are in fact still a good football team come out with that physicality get off to a good start is going to be uh, paramount in this football game try and take that crowd out of it and again give yourself a little bit of belief that this is not going to be another roller coaster going off the tracks like at times the the KU game obviously started out uh, being. Yeah, man. Do you want to take a few questions before we get out of here tonight? Sure. Uh, it's going to be a bit of an abbreviated live show just because you know we're working a little bit late tonight. I uh, don't want to keep you all late as well. Miss Noel, she asks, why do we not see more of Brennan Thompson? Levy needs to get more creative on his scheme and personnel get Petaway involved as well. Also, run the ball. Totally agree. If Tommy Walker is available, run the ball. But yeah, we'd love to see Brendan Thompson and Jaquez Petaway involved in this thing because nobody has the speed that they've got. Yeah, and barring injury, the Gavin Freeman experiment should be over in terms of getting significant snaps over both of those two names, Brennan Thompson and Jaquez Petaway. It's I don't want to hear about youth. I want to hear about somebody that can go make somebody miss and go make a big time play. And, and 
as much as we love Drake Stoops, like I want to see him seeding some of these snaps as well to a guy like Brendan Thompson, who's proven that in limited time he can make some plays for you. He's made two big-time catches when he's gotten on the field. So let's give him a few opportunities. And you know what? Give him some opportunities in Jaleel's spot, in Nick Anderson's spot. Just give him some get, – get the speed on the field. Speed kills. You can't stop it. You can only hope to contain it. Uh, another one, this one is going to be on Tawi Walker, uh, saw from George Stoya of Sooner Scoop at on three that, uh, according to Brent Venables that, Hey, fingers crossed on Tawi Walker, just like it is with Danny Stutzman. So I, I would put him in the questionable, uh, category right now, as far as injury reports go, but we know how critical he's going to be to this Oklahoma Sooners offense when they go into Stillwater. So we know ankle, right, for Tawi. What what's the what's the update for Stutzman? Uh, same. It was fingers crossed. So, I don't know exactly what, but yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, and I'm going to lean positively that probably we'll see both now. In what capacity? That that's a, a reasonable question to ask. It's right now. If you tell me that Tawi Walker's not in the mix for OU, boy, that that's really not good. For, for Oklahoma. I mean, then you've, you've got a run game that's not been altogether great, and you're relying on a bunch of other running backs that flat out aren't anywhere close to the type of production that Tommy Walker has consistently given you this season. So that would not be good. But I, I do feel like probably both are going to play, and uh, let's hope they're healthy. Yeah, and hopefully it's just a little bit of gamesmanship, you know, and not revealing too much of your hand that you're going to have available to you. Uh, Eileen Kelly asks a really good question. Where is the physical team that beat Texas? I have no idea. I really don't. I, I find myself frustrated at the patty cake that happens out there sometimes where guys are just looking to go strip the football away as opposed to make the tackle. And it's it's occurred on too many occasions. And I just don't know if it's because they've been out of position and they're they're just not sure of where they're at or they don't want to miss the tackle or they're just trying to make a play. But yeah, this team has not looked the same since coming back from uh, from Dallas. Yeah, I, I I don't know. It's it's tough to answer outside of they they lost a little bit of a chip. It looks like, and or they played above their weight against Texas. I mean, let's let's call a spade a spade. It's not like Oklahoma's defensive line had been great going into the Texas game. They they hadn't been. Uh, they had done some good things, uh, particularly against the run right? Had, had been good going into the Texas game. They'd stopped the run well, but it's not like they were getting a bunch of uh, sacks left and right. And then they did versus Texas and that raised the bar a little bit and they haven't matched it since. It, it's been wild to see just kind of the, the physicality and intensity drop off since that one. Uh, Sean asks, was coach Murray on board with wide receiver taking his running back reps, especially when Farouk doesn't practice with the running backs? Maybe he was during during the week in preparation for this one. We know that Caleb Hicks was getting a lot of work during the bye week. All we can say and all I can really say is they just didn't feel comfortable with Hicks or Smothers, and which is wild to me when you don't really have much consistency right now with Javante Barnes or with Gavin Sawchuk that your other answer to this is Jaleel Farouk taking running back snaps and then you leave two running backs at home for that Kansas trip is it, just a, it's a, it was an odd plan. Um, similar to the plan they had against Texas in 2022, just odd. Yeah. 
I don't know what to make of that because obviously right now, as far as I'm concerned, you've got one good running back and that's Toby Walker and everybody else is mediocre to maybe below that. Now, whether that's in part because of health, I think it is, but right now that's where Oklahoma's at. They've got really one good running back. And so again, not to just be, Hey, let's defend Jeff Levy and let's defend Brent Venables and DeMarco and everybody. But a lot of times, believe it or not, coaching staffs, even though we, we yell and scream and stamp our feet, a lot of times probably they do know to some regard what they've got in terms of position groups. So I would like to say that Caleb Hicks and Smothers, like to me at this point, my initial reaction, I'll be honest with you, is they've made some sort of tactical error here to have not tried it more, right? Because you're not getting good production outside of Tawi Walker anyways. So why have these guys not gotten a look? And then the other side would be, you know, generally speaking, I think, John, typically coaches don't say, ah, well, we might have two good options, but let's leave them at home, right? So there's got to be something that the coaching staff is not seeing from those guys either, whether it's youth or blitz pickups or whatever. But I, like many, am looking around and saying the same thing that you are, which is why has it not been tried? It's a fantastic question, and only the coaches have the answer to that one. Um, a few more questions here before we get out of here. Why won't they leave Caden Green in at left guard? I mean, I don't, I don't, I can't say that I've sat here and watched the all 22 to see how well he's performing in this one, but we know that they're trying to rotate guys. They're also throwing Jacob Sexton in quite a bit at left tackle in place of Walter Rouse. They're rotating their, a lot of their offensive linemen. I'm not going to sit here and say that you know the offensive line was much of a problem. I thought they were pretty good on Saturday. Now, were there, were there some pressure moments uh, where you know McCade Mattire takes a holding penalty on a twist that he didn't pick up well? Yeah, that was that was a problem. But all in all, I thought the offensive line played really good. So I, I don't I don't have much of an issue with the way that they're handling the offensive line right now. I think this is pretty good. Daniel Brooks says, former player here, the offense to me is reminiscent of our 2014 team. And not not necessarily the comparison there, but this next, next piece of it. There's tons of weapons with no identity. It's hard to elevate your play when the coaches have not established an identity. So to that, I say this. what What is Oklahoma's identity offensively? Just let's just talk offensive side of the football. What What in your mind, if you had to describe it, what would it be? Coming into the game, I would have said they were a pass-first team riding Dylan Gabriel, and Dylan Gabriel was the identity of this offense. And then the Kansas game happened, and now I have no idea because I would have let Dylan Gabriel throw the ball more than 19 times, weather be damned, pardon my language, but I would have let him have the opportunity to go get that first down, go win me a football game. I would have trusted him more to to make the right decisions, to to tuck and run, to you know, find, find some opportunities in the short to intermediate passing game. I would have trusted him to do that more than trust, you know, some, some, I mean, some talented running backs, but guys that just haven't played much this year. And, and you're asking them to go win you the football game. It just doesn't, it doesn't vibe as well with me. And so I have no idea. And I, I do think that is an issue. It, we talk about just the herky jerky nature of the offensive play calling where, you know, you know, against SMU, they seemed determined to get the running game going. It wasn't working. So finally they're like, Oh, well, I guess we got to give the ball to Dylan Gabriel and let him go win us the game. Uh, you know, and, and all season long, it's just been like, there's nothing built off of one another. There's, we're not going to 
You know, we're not running the ball, running the ball, running ball, and then trying to set up play action. We're not, you know, we'll run, 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 and then jet sweep. Like if you're going to run five times in a row, don't run a jet sweep on the next play. That's the time where you run play action. Like your offense is supposed to be built to where things build off of one another. And when you're running all these things, then you should have stuff that uses misdirection to play off of that. But it just doesn't seem like that happens very much. It's just all very, very basic. And, and I've come to this conclusion that the offense is just very safe. It's an offense that's designed not to hurt you. No risk, no reward. If you don't take chances, you're not going to, not going to put up points at times. And there were times in this game against Kansas where you needed to take a chance as opposed to just going three downs and, and punting. Yeah. I, I think if you drop back and throw three times in that final sequence, probably we're talking about Oklahoma won the game. And yet obviously that didn't happen. And, Hindsight being 2020, okay. And also that's a hypothetical. So what if Dylan Gabriel gets sacked and the football winds up on the ground? I mean, there's a million different things, right? You throw an interception, they run. I got it. But I think probably he was throwing for a first down if you tried three downs to do that. Oklahoma didn't do that. And across the board throughout the game, Oklahoma took the football out of Gabriel's hands, which uh with those weapons, again, the the personnel decisions, we talked about that a little bit. I mean, I think it's time to it's time to, if this game didn't rattle Oklahoma's cage a little bit, it needs to. Yes, the, you need more Jaden Gibson out there. Need more Petaway. Need more Brennan Thompson. Why was Brennan okay to come in on the game's final series when it was desperation mode, but he didn't play any of the rest of the game? So explain that to me. I don't like that part of the game. So there's a lot of things that Jeff Levy and Oklahoma offensively need to answer for. And then defensively, John, you know, look, they gave you back-to-back-to-back stops, right, late. That probably should have won you the game, but there was a lot of bad on the defensive side of the football, too. And I understand they're dinged up and they've got injuries and things, but it's time to get the nasty back defensively, too. Again, mostly up front. That group just needs to play so much better. And if they don't, then unfortunately this season is going to be like, well, the entirety of last year, but definitely the end of last year, where it was a disappointing close to the season for Oklahoma. So a lot of, unfortunately, if things go bad here, a lot of what we're going to think and feel about this staff and where this direction of this program is going, it's going to get determined by what happens this week in Bedlam, right? I mean, that's this is going to be a lasting feeler type game for Oklahoma. So it's time to get it corrected, and it's time to get it corrected right now. Especially when you don't know the next time you're going to play Oklahoma State. You can't let this loss linger into perpetuity. That would suck. But Oklahoma State may never schedule again, schedule you again if they beat you. They'll just hold that one over your head and be like, we got the last one. We don't need to play you ever again. Uh, just one more question before we get out of here. And this comes from Dal Poas, 83. He says, if we lose another game, is it Jackson Arnold time? I don't think so. No, I, I just, you're so far along in this season now that for better or for worse, it's going to be Dylan Gabriel's show, I think at this point. And I just can't imagine the staff not honoring that. Maybe in the bowl game, he gets extended run or Gabriel does the courtesy of opting out, right? 
almost as a, a little bit of a favor to Oklahoma if you're not playing for anything particularly substantial. But I mean, what do you think? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I think even if you lose this game or one more game, you'll still have potentially the Big 12 title game to play for because, I mean, who knows how the rest of the season is going to – like the next month of Big 12 play is going to be wild. I mean, you've got five teams with one loss in Big 12 play. you got two more teams that are one game back. So right now you got seven teams that are still in the Big 12 title hunt. And so anything could happen. Even if you have two losses, you could still make the Big 12 title game, just like we saw last year. I believe – I can't remember if Kansas State had two conference losses. I know they were 9-3 and three going into the game. But, I mean, you're going to have a chance still at the end to find your way into the Big 12 title game, depending on how everything transpires, tiebreakers. That being said, I would like to see him get some run. I would like to see him get some playing time because it's going to be so important to get him that experience to get him ready because the SEC is going to be a gauntlet. It's not going to be easy. And, I mean, this schedule has not been easy either. The Big 12 is tough. It's a tough conference that's got some talented programs, maybe not as talented as what they'll see in the SEC, but, I mean, those games against Ole Miss and Alabama and Tennessee – uh, those will be tough. Texas, obviously. Missouri. Missouri is showing that they're a program on the rise. Dang it. And this is a, a team that's going to have a challenge next year. And so get as much, as many snaps as you possibly can for Jackson Arnold and not just to hand the ball off or run the quarterback run game, but to actually be a part of the offense and run the offense. If you're going to play him. If you're if you're not going to play, like if you're not going to let him be a part of running the offense, then to me, just don't play him. Just let him sit, let him continue to watch and learn. And then like Josh said in the bowl game, give him an opportunity to have several drives, if not a half or a quarter or whatever you want to give him, but let him actually get some significant time running the offense. By the way, K-State did have two conference losses a year ago. They lost in the regular season to TCU, and then they they lost uh, to Texas as well. Got into the Big 12 championship and obviously won it. Now, let's hope – we're not talking about Oklahoma as a, a two-loss Big 12 title game entrant, though. Probably most people would say, okay, that's not the worst thing. Come off the sour taste from last week if you got to play with a, play uh, in the Big 12 championship game with uh, two losses. But, you know, let's not take that route, right? And, oh, by the way, KC fan, hey, we I hear you. Too many dumb mistakes on Saturday, kind of like our Chiefs on Sunday. A horrible football weekend. Thank you very much, Denver. You finally did it, unfortunately. Yeah, and, and the rare occurrence that Dallas actually has a good weekend um, on the same weekend that Oklahoma does. So I don't know what to do. I don't know what Down to do. Down was up, left was right, everything uh, out of circuit. The Big 12 is backwards this year. Um, and then uh, just one final comment. And I think this would be a good maybe topic for our next show, Josh. And that's just to talk about expectations and predictions and how – Things change as the season evolves and Twisted Monkey says 10 and 2 is my prediction. So nothing to really be upset about yet. Uh, Mark said, I predicted 9 and 3. I'll be happy with that. Still a huge improvement. And I think that's a good place to leave. Uh, somebody else earlier on said patience. And this is Fred Bagley says patience is the word for this team right now. And I, I, I'm with you. There's a lot that's improved. There's a lot that's going to continue to improve. And so, you know, to steal the 76ers phrase, trust the process, I'm going to continue to trust the process, but I think it'll be good to, to just dissect and dig into what are the expectations for this team, but go ahead, Josh. And 
I, I love that. And you guys are much more measured than me because my word would be impatience. I want to see improvements and I want to see them right stinking now versus Oklahoma State. And we'll expand upon that uh, on our next show here on Locked On Sooners. So make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Again, also available on YouTube, free and available on every platform that you could choose. Download Locked On Sooners wherever you get your podcasts. Go leave us a five-star review as well if you if you like what we do, please go leave us a review. Go leave us a five-star rating. It helps other people find out about the show. It helps us. Often people are asking, how do we help support the show? That's how you help to support the show. So thanks so much for being here. Again, for a late night Locked On Sooners, we appreciate your time and your presence. And always, we always appreciate what's going on in the chat. You guys have a great conversation there, and it's always fun to watch what you guys are talking about and just the respectable way that y'all talk about it. So thank you for being the best fans on the planet and the best supporters on the planet as well but follow josh on twitter at josh on ref myself at john nine williams again we'll talk so much more about bedlam later on this week and we'll get into what the expectations for this team should be and are they evolving changing as well but until next time he's josh helmer i'm john williams boomer sooner